controlled by humans. We get our eyes from our other computers. We are nothing but stupid machines. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of None of Us Is Yet A Robot, the podcast. Um, hello, uh, if you're joining us for the very first time at episode 10, welcome, and if you've been here since the beginning, then welcome back. Um, my name's Emma Franklin, and I'm a transgender woman who works in theatre and performance, and this podcast series is a, a collection of conversations between myself and other trans and non-binary folk. Um, we just talk uh, in response to a topic set by the previous guest and we sort of drift around and uh, amble our way through. My guest in this episode is the incredible Natasha Stavropoulos. Uh, Natasha is someone I'd only met a couple of times before we recorded this so it was really great getting to know her again, um, getting to know her better and the conversation goes to some quite challenging places for me. Uh, and I was really happy for it to do so. I think it's um, sitting with it since. It's brought up a lot of things about the way that I uh, perhaps self-edit my story and uh, the things that I ignore that perhaps I'd rather uh, start not doing. Anyway, without any further ado, um, here is episode 10. Uh, hello again and welcome back to None of Us Is Yet A Robot, the podcast. Um, my guest today is Natasha Stavropoulos, um, which I hope I've pronounced adequately. Uh, and we're recording in a quiet, still room in uh, Arts Admin in um, the heart of London. So, hey, hi Natasha. Hello everyone, hi Emma. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. Um, so before we start and talk about mm-hmm. our topic for today, which is adventure, as given to us by Griffin, um, how do you identify? Um, yes, good question. Um, I identify as a trans woman, um, but identity is such a like, you know, multi-layered thing that you know, gender-wise, yes, I think I'm um, like, you know, attracted by the binary, um, feminine uh, in presentation, um, identify as a trans woman, um, but also quite comfortable uh, being uh, visibly um, trans and kind of medium or high disclosure, mm-hmm. um, if I may. And um, yes, that's me. Um, well, with regards to gender presentation and appearance, I guess. Yeah. Cool. Well, um Hey, I feel like it's been cheating because we've been talking for quite a while already. So <laughs> I was like, well, you know, we've covered a lot of the uh, a lot of the pleasantries already. Um, but yeah, the topic is adventure, and I mean, frankly, everything we've been talking about it could be construed as an adventure. There are you're on, on an adventure. We 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 both are. But um, where? Yeah, is there anything that? Why do you want to start? Um, that's a great, great topic. Um, like because life is an adventure. Um, life is a journey or an mm-hmm. adventure. You know, um, an adventure. Like the word adventure brings to me, like you know, um, you know, a sense of excitement and you know, like 
not mm. knowing exactly where we're going and uh, fear of the unknown, mm. exploring as well, adventure. Like it, it always, with the word adventure comes to me with an image of like being in the jungle or like <laughs> <laughs> driving a four by four somewhere in the Amazon or something yeah. like that. But um, I think it goes, yeah, life is an adventure. Like you said, we're, yeah, yeah. you know, we're all on an adventure uh, because, uh, yeah, we're like we're human beings on a like. Um, on a rock in space. <laughs> um, yeah, what, what can be more scary than that? <laughs> I think I feel more like a human being on a rock at the moment than I have for so long with all of the political changes of the last couple of weeks. Um, and I don't know, I think like... I. So as somebody who has always lived in the UK and grown up, um, I grew up in Cornwall and I've come from a very stable comfortable background mm-hmm. I guess mm-hmm. this sort of sense I was reading somewhere the other day that we're pre-configured in this society to imagine that there will just be a happy ending mm-hmm. and that that's our right but it's also inevitable that the happy ending is inevitable so things might get shit but of course they'll be happy at the end um, and it's been my privilege to sort of feel like that and I think yeah just the last couple of I mean, it's not as dramatic as the last couple of weeks but you know the last little bit of time I feel like no fuck it could all disappear it could all go away overnight and then we would be left clinging to a rock and everything else is this mm. construction around us mm, taking it there but um, I have a question so sure. about adventure because we, we met up we were around Spitalfields and you said you moved to London 20 years ago mm-hmm. which is exciting to me because I feel like that's more or less the same amount of time that I came to London and I feel like I meet quite a lot at the moment I spend time with people who are not significantly younger than me but are a little bit younger than me so it's quite nice to be like oh you remember London from 20 (laughs) years ago as well and also feels quite um, unbelievable to think that that was 20 years ago Mm. but how was because so as somebody who also doesn't come from London that was quite that felt to me quite an adventure moving Yeah. How was it for you? Oh, it was absolutely. It was a um, very exciting um, time in my life. Um, moving away from Greece, moving um, from my small like um, town um, that I grew up in, um, and moving to like a big like cosmopolitan city like London was like a massive, massive change. But one that I was really looking forward um, yeah. to when it was happening. So I was. Like when I was um, a teenager, I always used to read uh, magazines that um, originated from the UK. For really? example, like Computer Mags and uh-huh. CVG, which is Computer and Video Games, the classic mm-hmm. uh, magazine from um, like way back. Um, but also, kind of, you know, when I was growing up and I was a teenager, I was re- reading Smash Hits and uh-huh. uh, the things like that, and I always like fancied. Um, all the, the bands and um, <laughs> bros and I was a huge fan of bros so coming to the UK felt like almost like coming home not, yeah. not quite but it felt like you know, I was very attracted by the whole um, uh-huh. thing that you know, the, the, the British culture um, 
had to offer and obviously an education had to offer because I had to like um, come here um, to study okay. um, because I, I wasn't able to like succeed in my exams uh, back home it was um, so difficult to get into like the state um, university really really hard yeah and um, so yeah my mom said okay why don't you go to to, to, to London or to the UK and mm-hmm. I did and I really was that was a start of yeah great adventure that uh-huh. like I said now last almost 20 years you fail all your exams go over to England you'll fit right you'll fit right in <laughs> with everyone over there yeah yeah I, I think my mom is pretty open-minded so she wasn't like she she's been traveling a lot and we were traveling mm-hmm. when we were young I also like you said I identify with what you said I uh, you know I come from a loving family like kind of uh, middle class and um, you know um, so, you know, there was always like a lot of traveling involved during summer. So I had traveled around. I had been in London a couple of times before yeah. I moved here. Um, I also had been at the summer school, which I really enjoyed um, okay. at some point. So I, I don't know. Yeah, it was, it felt like the right thing to do. Um, and uh, unfortunately, like you said, you know, although I moved um, in 96 um, to London, um, I can't. I don't. I didn't really discover London until much later because mm-hmm. I was more more focused on uh, music mm-hmm. and um, recreation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which London has to offer both of these things. It's funny that this this whole area was is so different now to how it was. I really and I, I did a kind of opposite journey when I was so in nineteen ninety seven. And I went traveling, and the idea was I was going to go traveling on this great adventure for a year with my best friend. We were going to go backpacking around Europe and do this, and we like had all this great preparation and you know big emotional goodbye to our family. And um, my friend had a had a girlfriend, and they had this like big emotional goodbye. Um, and we flew out to Crete, where we began our adventure, and the plan was to kind of you know live and work. We lasted 10 days. <laughs> it's so unbelievably pathetic. And like I've, I, I was telling somebody about this um, quite recently, and I regret it so much because it would have been such, it could have been such an amazing adventure. But my friend got really homesick and he missed his girlfriend. And I kind of guess I, at that time, I didn't feel confident enough to stay like out on my own or anything. Mm, mm. So we ended up like zipping home on the interrail and we spent a day in each country, like a day in Bulgaria, a day in Hungary, wow. a day in Romania, like 24 hours, which still was quite, it felt quite significant. But um, yeah, I feel like that was about as close to adventures as, <laughs> as I got. I, I looked adventure in the mouth and I backed right off, <laughs> right off of it. But you've been here 20 years, that's, yeah. you know, you're better staying power. 20 years, on off actually, because okay. um, although London is my home today, um, I was also uh, in, um, uh, I went to art school in Carlisle, which is okay. um, yeah, the, north, the north of England. Um, and uh, yeah, that was fun. It was a much smaller place than yeah. London, but I needed it at the time. Yeah. And I also spent like a year and a half in Greece after having a not very pleasant um, breakdown um, okay. in 1999 um, while I was living in Maida Vale. Um, <laughs> so yes, um, but yes, on off uh, okay. 20 years and um, London is my home because um, I just, I think it's one of the, like, it is my home. It's the best 
place um, for me to be. Um, yeah. Will you? Are you affected by the exit from the <sighs> European Union? Of course, Does I this am, yeah. fuck you up. Or? Yeah, I am affected, but not because um, I will um, like. Um, I mean, I have a British passport, okay. and um, um, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm affected because everyone is affected. Yeah, of course. You know, it's just like uh, it's 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 crazy. It's, it's crazy what we're going through at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, when did you come out as a trans woman along that way? Did you had you already when you moved, or um, did that come later? Identifying as trans um, didn't happen until um, maybe eight years ago, okay. um, which was when I was in my, th- uh, like when I was 30, actually. Uh-huh. Um, I knew I was um, gender variant or something was going on with gender so from a very young age, mm-hmm. um, like very, very young. Um, and I cross-dressed for a long time and that was, you know, uh, fun and, um, but very secretive. It was mm-hmm. the most, um, it was the most embarrassing, shameful uh, thing um, in my life at the time. I, I hated it. I hated um, myself. Um, and I only, I only came out, the first person I came out to was my therapist when I was um, 20. Um, and um, he's still my therapist now and he actually really? had a session with, with him yesterday. And he supported me with um, uh-huh. my surgery, my upcoming surgery and all that. So yeah, it's amazing how, yes. Yes. Yeah, so wow, that's an incredible relationship to sustain for, yes. like, for that whole period. Was he understand? Was he good right at the start, um, or has he learned as well? Yeah, I think uh, like we all evolve, and I mm. think uh, when I met him, he was um, just uh, early uh, in his practice, and um, I didn't like I didn't go there because of my gender issues, although mm. they were underlying. Yeah. I went there because I, I, I needed to finish my degree and I was, um, it was all going to shit really. Mm. Um, sorry, I probably shouldn't swear. No, that's okay. <laughs> swearing is embraced in this okay, That's the only way to talk about some of the things, <laughs> some of these things. Uh, so yeah, um, so I, yeah, but at the very last session that we had um, before, um, uh, stopping to, to stop, stopping to see to see him for a while, um, I came out to him and said, you know, actually, there's um, I, I dress I dress as a girl, and uh, that's also something we could uh, explore in the future. Um, little did I know that he was, um, yeah, that we were going to explore all this about uh, ten years later. Yeah. 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 Wow. But so he, so he was a. But his yes. response to it was, he, he's, was cool. he's amazing. That's Without great. like, um, um, yeah, just uh, kudos to him because um, our relationship was one of the biggest um, supports uh, that I had, like I have yeah. in my life. And without his support, I wouldn't be able to transition or yeah. live my life as I do today. Yeah. That's great. It's um, I feel like I don't talk about the part of my life where I cross dressed mm. at all. Um, or very or very rarely, and it's not a comfortable part of that mainstream narrative. So we were talking a little bit <laughs> off adventure. It's okay. Everything we talk about is adventure because it's all an adventure. Um, but uh, I feel like that kind of depiction of what it is to be trans um, doesn't really comfortably for me. It, it, include that as part of a narrative and I feel like when I'm with other trans 
people it's not something that it's like we chat about because mm. yeah it's you know you saying about it being the most shameful and difficult thing like, that's exactly how I felt mm. about it and for so long in my life it was something that was I was there and I could totally ignore that it was happening so that I would I still don't quite understand how I had that separation mm-hmm. going on mm-hmm. but like I knew I would I, I know that I was doing it but I also know that if you'd have like asked me do you cross dress I, I, in my 20s I would have been able to go no like, and really feel that, that I didn't and it was only kind of um, for, for me like later maybe about 10 years ago of, of saying okay this is something that is innate to me and if it's something that is here I'm gonna just be I have to find a way to be okay with it um, and okay fine so I'm in new research because this is not 2016 and it is not the transgender tipping point and all of these things so you say okay well what am I and a google search kind of tells you you're a cross dresser and you go okay and so then there was a, a period of, t- of time where that that online community and that world is where I sort of found an outlet for the way that I feel. But then even, and then coming, you know, finding terminology about transgender and being able to embrace that, I feel like I shut away so much that that period of time. And I kind of feel, I feel like I want to talk about it now, or I'm interested to talk about it right now, even though I am actually still finding it, I'm finding it difficult to do so. Um, It's because... So it's partly that I do still feel shameful mm-hmm. about that and concerned about, or like you know, what what people might have might might think about that, which is almost certainly um, unnecessary. But also, I feel quite guilty about how I don't feel I've looked after either my former self. I don't feel I've looked after mm-hmm. her very well in the way that I've dealt with that and also the people who are using that as a totally valid route to explore their gender mm. identity mm. but um, mm. absolutely yeah. absolutely I so identify with what you just um, described mm. exactly um, yeah I think it's very interesting to discuss about it because you're right it's not something that you know it comes up in conversation so much yeah. the, the cross-dressing um um, years um, mm-hmm. of, of my life and um, of our lives. Um, it's a good and bit of the biography that does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it's because um, there's a lot of uh, shame, like mm-hmm. you know, uh, surrounding like cross dressing because exactly it, it seems to be like you know um, doing something that is um, you know usually ridiculed or yeah. you know it's at the at the at the core of it all i think it's transphobia mm-hmm. um you know it's um you know at the core of it i think you know we internalize uh, we 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 live in a transphobic world mm-hmm. so we internalize these um you know thought these ideas that um you know dressing up um or doing anything gender variant is wrong mm-hmm. is like you know we go against nature, mm-hmm. we go against whatever, you know, um, against society and um, 
Cross-dressing is one of the, yeah, le- less, le- le- like, least respected um, uh, parts in the transgender mm-hmm. spectrum. Um, but I'm really quite proud uh, mm-hmm. to, to have gone through that um, because I think that without that part, without, um, you know, that um, locking myself up in the bathroom and, um, you know, dressing up mm-hmm. um, in what at the time I considered to be the... Um, the clothes of the opposite sex, mm-hmm. um, you know, I wouldn't be able to like own my my gender today and yeah. to you know um, understand who, who I am mm-hmm. today. Uh, that kind of kept um, in a weird uh, way uh, my gender going, my, yeah. you know, my identity going. It was like you said, it was a very locked up place, mm-hmm. and I wouldn't admit it openly. Yeah. I mean, I had long hair. Yeah, um, me too. For yeah. yeah. For, from mm-hmm. a young age, but I used to hide it yeah. when I was out in public as male in uh-huh. boy mode or whatever. I, I used to obviously like I I I was to have it in a ponytail yeah. or put it in a hat yeah. uh, under a hat or whatever. But um, yeah, but then when I cross dressed, obviously that was kind of my part of my presentation. Uh-huh. So I think there's definitely elements of suppression uh, mm-hmm. there, um, suppress, suppressing um, gender, mm-hmm. suppressing uh, things because of um, because of society of, of yeah. being in, in a transphobic world. Because I feel like when I would um, there would be times, and so I would be just alone, but I would dress I would dress up in um, in these clothes that I had and put on makeup and. The feeling when I would look in the mirror, like it was, it was that first experience of just kind of feeling mm. that a connection. Mm. And then I think I had like a, a lot of the shame as well came from the the sense that there were, that there's something in the physical appearance that's important because I so wanted to believe, I so want to believe that we are more than just the way that we look and that women are more than the way that they look and that, you know, all of the things that a, um, a trans misogynist might say or a trans exclusionary radical feminist might say, which is like, well, you know, you just think that if you can put on these clothes then that's what makes a woman and a woman is more than that. And I know loads of incredible, ma- incredible, incredibly masculine women who own that. Mm. And the fact that, you know, it, it felt like a guilty thing to have to access this, this other form of femininity. But then that's just about the erasure of feminists, exactly. I think, as well. And so to identify not only as a woman, but to identify as a femme um, becomes a kind of double, a double thing. And then there were, lots of, there were lots of people in that world who were there for other, re- you know, who were there for other reasons. And there was a kind of um, sex thing that sort of ran through it that never kind of felt... That I never, that I never kind of felt connected to, but also like it, it's, it was all, you know, it's all mixed in there. Did you ever, um, where did you hang out on, like online? Online, um, it's been a long time since I thought about this. Yeah, stuff. that's a good question. Um, I didn't really hang out online. I mean, when I was, um, you mean when I was, like in my late teens or. Well, just in it within that world, or did you like? Did you actually go out into the real world? 
That's a good question. I did venture into the uh-huh. real world. Um, this is an adventure. Yeah, that, was, that was an adventure and, okay. a, and a half. <laughs> it was so scary. Uh, I remember um, it was the 20th of October of 1999. Um, I remember it vividly because that was the first day that f- the Fabric nightclub uh, was uh-huh. open. Yeah. Uh, it was the, the opening night of Fabric. And um, I remember uh, that was the first time I went out as... Uh, well, as myself, really. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and at that point, I had already come out to a few people mm-hmm. in my immediate environment. Uh, I was still terrified of what was going on. And I was also heavily sedated by like illegal drugs. Okay. So the combination of all this um, was quite explosive. Mm-hmm. I remember going out. Uh, that was an adventure. I remember <laughs> um, going out in my heels. Um, uh, and my uh, then uh, partner's dress, um, you know, and um, going around. I will never forget the feeling of being out in public. I felt mm-hmm. so vulnerable, yeah. um, but also very excited at the same time. And I had full makeup on, my hair was down. Mm-hmm. I, 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 I got my keys, went into my car. Um, I forgot that one of the tires uh, was... Uh, um, losing air okay. um, so I was driving around London quite um, in this, almost like a trance state you know I was like you know looking at people around and I realized that I was presenting female yeah. for the first time in public and um, it was surreal and then I realized that uh, my car wasn't like moving very well so I had to stop at the petrol station to get some air pumped yeah. into the back tire and I remember um, like there was this lovely guy that helped me and put some air into the tire. Um, I was happy to let him do that, um, and then I went into um, the um, the shop of the of the petrol station, and I remember getting an ice cream, and I remember a group of men, about four or five of them, like they were inside chatting. Mm-hmm. They, were, they all turned around, and I will never forget. Um, you know, their gaze, like looking at me, and that was the first time I was ever seen. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a combination of the male gaze and like, you know, everything that was, you know, difficult for me to face at the time, mm-hmm. um, like my internalized phobias. And uh, it was, yeah, it was an experience that um, I will never forget. That first thing, but I mean, it's exactly as you say, it's the, it's not even about what was said, but it's about that sense of being seen Mm. and it it happens every day all the time in different ways Mm. I told you earlier about yesterday being propositioned for the first Mm. time like directly sexually propositioned by a cis guy Um, which you know as new experiences go I'm quite open to them but it wasn't wasn't the the most fun I've ever had Um, but yeah like that sense of being being seen, and that I think, the, I mean, shocking, but the biggest well, you know, one of the biggest kind of learning points for me on this whole adventure has been I mean, that's just about misogyny, that's not even about trans stuff because there's one level where you're seen as a trans person, maybe, or seen as a cross dresser, maybe, but there's also just the simplicity of being seen as a woman, and I think mm-hmm. that that's just how women or anyone presenting as a woman is is treated, treated. and that there's this open invitation to look mm-hmm. in a in a very open yeah. unfettered way and i think the su- the surprise of that 
is um, is huge because I think you know as even as a very liberated um, guy when that's when that's how I identified I still never like could comprehend that really that was that was the experience mm. um, gosh this is so uh, much more than I thought <laughs> I thought our conversation was going to be because um, it took me a long time to go out I I've spent a lot more time in like virtual world with with cross-dressing mm. like of kind of taking a photograph mm. and then sharing a photograph and that was kind of deceptive because everyone's photographs just look so great and then you could make photographs that kind of look great because mm. it's sort of easy to take a photograph that looks great and this is pre-selfie days as well really it's all like webcam and and things so there wasn't that same saturation or that same understanding of of mm. I mean I guess it's I mean <laughs> interesting to kind of throw that out there but like yeah it, it was you know a therapy of taking photographs mm. of myself before that was a thing that everybody mm. in our society was doing this kind of sharing it did become quite compulsive mm. um, I think I you know I definitely lost fucking hours and hours and hours to that um, and then I had this kind of point where, because I, you know, I would just get dressed to then do work or whatever, to, to work from home. Um, because that was how I felt. Because then I could shut off the voice that was, you know, unhappy and then get on with stuff. Um, but I remember the first time go, like, going out and there was, I went to, um, did you ever go to Magic Theatre? No. In South London at the Riverley Ballroom. So it's this great, um, uh, it's this place where they used to have um, music hall mm. back in like the 20s and it's relatively untouched, it's kind of great. I've heard about they do a lot of filming there of various things and maybe every month or bi-monthly there's this night called Magic Theatre which I think, you know, it's just a very open night for the alt crowd mm. but a lot of... Um, people experimenting with gender go there and so that was like a big thing and I remember I always used to see it come up and then I had this like oh am I gonna go no fuck I can't go I can't go like I didn't have any, didn't have any friends there's no one in my real life who I was sharing this stuff with at that time um, and then I realised that it was two minutes from my house like and that and then that was a real pressure it was like oh, well you know I can't just be here and not go to this fucking thing but I always had a very big beard. I always, um, I always wore a beard. Like that was, was the same. That was my look, you know, <laughs> long hair, beard. Since you know, for, since I was quite, still was able to have one. I think this is maybe a thing that lots of trans people have. Not that I'm equating having a beard with being trans, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like something about mm. hiding or changing our bodies and things. But. Um, so I remember like, you know, shaving off my beard and then actually wearing a wig because the wig felt like, I, you know, the wig comes in a style and it's easier to have the wig than to, to have your hair and going out that first time. And I felt so, yeah, so vulnerable, but also so, I, I, it, I felt very fake. I felt like I was really, I wasn't being mm. myself. So then the next time I went out or like the next time, but a few times later I went out I just had my own hair mm. and I didn't shave mm. and I hung out with my beard. Mm. But then I felt horrible too because then like it didn't feel that that was appropriate either and you know that felt like I, I felt kind of okay but I didn't feel 
looked at in the way that I wanted to feel looked at. I don't know where I'm going, but it was, that was even going just around the block was, I remember being terrified of being seen by the neighbours or just of any kind of terrible things happening. But everyone was so gorgeous that night, like so welcoming and kind and wonderful. And I guess there's like a whole bunch of people that I met that I really wonder where they are. I'm sure some of them have transitioned now. I can't imagine, I don't know. Wow. Statistically, I can't imagine that they haven't, but it was it would be interesting because I did have like a long chat with this one person back in my flat afterwards. And we were like, okay, how was that for you? Yeah, yeah, you know, it was fine. And then, but then also having this conversation again. But I just kind of wish we didn't have to go to these specific places in the dead of night mm. in order to do this because, like, really, I just want to. Mm do my stuff and hang out like and I was never a very clubby person anyway it's like oh shit I've got this thing where I have to go to clubs in order to feel okay um and then that was the start of finding another way to be and figuring out trans stuff because that's obviously fantastic what I do now wow the magic theatre sounds amazing I wish yeah, I knew I think, about this <laughs> you should go like it was a really nice it was a good night um they do like a kind of Halloween ball and things. Mm, I, I've heard of it. Now yeah. that you mention it, yes, a friend uh, told me about it. I knew about uh, Way Out. Um, I never went to the... And yeah, that was always somewhere that I kind of dreamed I might go, but was always a bit too scared to... For me as well. Uh-huh. For me as well. I know it's been going on for 23, 24 oh, yeah. years, something like that. So um, when I first ventured into the world um, as myself, um, I knew there was way out happening, yeah. but I didn't have the, uh, yeah, I didn't have the courage to go. And I wish I did actually, because mm. things might have been different. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe they wouldn't. But then what happened um, after that um, night I just described, like earlier yeah. with a car and all that. Um, it just all became too much. I think yeah. uh, for me, I wasn't able to. Um, sustainably like deal with my issues and my um, hatred of myself and mm. you know my 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 gender or whatever mm. um, so I had a massive breakdown and I had to be hospitalized um, okay. back in Greece and as a result of this I, I, I suppressed my gender for another 10 years yeah. um, and was back to way out it was going to way out was maybe the third time I was out in public as myself mm-hmm. was going to this place way out um, okay. the club. So, so after the 10 years you came back and you went and you when went I was there. now 30 years old. And how was it? It was good. It was great. Um, I mean, yeah, it was, um, it was great because um, I was able, I felt inc- like it was, it felt like an inclusive kind mm-hmm. of place. Um, it's funny because I don't go to way out um, these days, but I'm going to go actually um, tomorrow. Oh, really? <laughs> no, uh, Saturday. Okay. Really. It's Thursday today. Yes, I'm going to go on Saturday um, after a long time with my boyfriend um, to support like some of his friends who are singing and um, cool. the group. But um, yeah, way out did play a part in like in this adventure of, of uh, exploring my gender mm-hmm. because initially at least it felt like because I'm a big uh, I used to be big um, in clubbing um, mm-hmm. and like I used to enjoy like music and stuff mm-hmm. and although the music at way out is very questionable, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it was something that you know was a place where actually I could go and uh, like dress up and um, yeah. 
like be myself uh, at their, you know, in early mm-hmm. transition, very early transition, and that, that felt like a safe place yeah. to be. Um, what you said earlier, like, made me think of something, you know, you talked about, um, I think you talked about um, the photographs and um, how, you know, actually sometimes we, well, for myself, speaking about myself, it was a transformation for a long time. Mm-hmm. It was like the feminine um, version of, uh, of myself mm-hmm. was separate to the rest of myself, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So I had to like, because coming from a cross-dressing background, mm-hmm. um, there was a lot of like, obviously it was, you know, it was two separate things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had my, um, you know, male, um, identified you know persona and um, you know and you know whatever that meant that you know I was going through the world as as a cisgender male mm-hmm. um, and um, at the same time I had you know the cross-dressing mm-hmm. um, time uh, that was private and um, eventually what happened in, in my experience you know the transformation from one to the other mm-hmm. stopped stopped being a, a transformation yeah. they, they merged in a way yeah. um, so you know going to way out initially um, it meant that you know I had to spend two hours dressing up and preparing mm-hmm. myself and putting eyelashes on or like yeah, putting yeah. you know styling my wig or whatever and putting heels on but then eventually um, that kind of became less and less yeah. and I was able to like venture and go like to my local pub you yeah. know and femme or go yeah, yeah. you know for a drink with my friends somewhere else or go to a like um, a house party as yeah. myself so eventually you know and um, yeah that's sorry I just, just no, came it, to me yeah it, it, it took me so it was so long I mean that kind of thing of I think maybe it's tempting or it's kind of it's just easy to conflate time periods so that it sounds like oh I did this and I did this and I did this and now I'm here Mm -hmm. and that kind of cycle I think a lot of people speak about certainly a lot of cross-dressers speak about of like purging um, Mm -hmm. and then have to like throwing all of your wardrobe away and then having to like you know rebuild it all and then and that being basically about self-loathing fucking society um, and I def like I had I had that for sure you know like there would be the times you go okay this has got this has got to stop mm. this has got to stop this is taking up way too much time this is not cool mm. um, but it always come coming back like for me that integration into my real life like I sort of I was just went I kind of just like, it was little things, really tiny things. Like I remember I just started wearing eyeliner mm. and cause I, I never identified as, um, as a gay man. Um, I always identified as straight. Um, why did I, what's that got to do with eyeliner in my head? But like, it was the, the first time that I had displayed any kind of like not normative, mm behavior or anything and I felt so exposed by that um, I guess like long hair in Cornwall when I was growing up maybe was seen as something but it, it felt like I didn't have okay I don't think sexuality and gender are connected in any way I know enough people who are a mixture of all of them to know that that's obviously not the case but in terms of at a point of not having as sophisticated an understanding of these things as I do now mm-hmm looking for like a reason to be doing this like well why are you doing this like and having 
like not being able to come up with anything that was adequate enough. But yeah, really slowly, like, you know, stop it out. And I used to feel like it was a flashing neon kind of sign above my head. And of course, no one just, like, nobody would ever notice. Yeah. And I was quite a long way into wearing female clothes, like, you know, black jeans and a skinny t-shirt mm. and eyeliner. And like, I eventually got my ears pierced, but I would wear like little black studs and things so everything was very um androgynous really and still all that i got read as was like oh you look like a like it's cool this sort of rock look that you've got and i was like it's not a rock look <laughs> i'm a girl what are you you know but you had to go a long way before and you know even now right you were saying about being getting called sir earlier on mm. which is just unfathomable yeah really it's, it's, it still hurts it hurts um, mm. and you know a lot of the time you don't realize whether it's happening or not you know so. I feel that like so often I'm like did I hear that mm. or did they just say yeah. yes was it uh or something you know you know what um, at the core of it um, I call this the, 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 the fear of transphobia or the phobia of transphobia oh, yeah. so you were talking about this so I think you know at the very core of it is like because um as trans people, we're like, you know, we've, we've probably gone through a lot, like many of us go through a lot in our life, um, living in such a, you know, hostile world. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I think it only makes sense to uh, be f- afraid of um, anything, any sort of interaction or, you know, and to with others that might be perceived as, you know, an attack, yeah. you know. So um, at the deep level, I think I suffer from um, the phobia of transphobia, because transphobia is, of course, everywhere, and we yeah. experience it. But sometimes it doesn't necessarily happen. Yeah. It's my fear of being attacked or the fear of being misgendered or being, you know, in some way kind of, you know, um, yeah, um, yeah, attacked, I guess, uh, that creates this, you know, this fear. It's almost like having, um, you know, being, being, like being constantly vigilant, yeah. you know, uh, because it might happen, because, it, it, you know, uh, in my experience, it used to happen quite a lot, and, mm-hmm. like, as my transition progressed, it happens less and less. Mm-hmm. Still, um, I carry this um, fear that, you know, it might happen, you know, at, every, at any moment, yeah. it could, like, all go wrong. Yeah. You know, we you know, could face violence, could face, you yeah. know... Um, not, I mean, I, I have been quite lucky in, uh, in London. I, I haven't really experienced um, any violence, and, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I understand my privilege in saying that, yeah. because a lot of people uh, in the world yeah. um, you know it's, it's terrifying just to be you know themselves for mm-hmm. you know for a day um, so um, yeah I think yeah at the deep level it's my own um, you know it's I need to be aware of it I need to be yeah. aware that actually the world can be pretty hostile uh, but if I am uh, responding in a way that is um, already presumed presuming that, you know, the mm-hmm. world is hostile, then I'm not helping um, change that, if that yeah. makes sense. You know, if I, you know, it happened to me that I was um, in such a bad headspace. Um, I was at, um, uh, at a restaurant in London 
Um, and uh, it was a fast food restaurant and somebody was serving me and I, I thought they misgendered me so I, I went really berserk and I said, mm-hmm. you know, uh, don't call me this, call me that and I was trying to assert my gender and then I realized that it was probably something else that they said um, and that's exactly, you know, that's, you know, of course yeah. I, I'm gentle with myself, I understand that this is not because, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm crazy or something, it's yeah. because I've, you know, as, as a person, I've experienced this prejudice. Totally. Um, but it's important to be aware of it and to try and, like, you know, kind of, you know, um, yeah, be a little bit more, um, be a little bit more, you know, um, open to people being, you know, kind of okay with, 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 with who we are, you know. I, I find that in London, at least, that there is, yeah. you know, acceptance and there is... Um, there is um, definitely respect, if mm-hmm. not fully, you know, full understanding of what gender is, yeah. and you know, a lot of people don't even know what you know gender is, um, yeah. or you know, they have difficulty um, defining it. And um, but I think, yeah, I think it's important to like, you know, um, yeah. I feel so inconsistent on this matter that sometimes I feel very like no. No, you don't get to get it wrong. Mm. And I think um, mostly I feel like this. Like, actually, we have to do enough. And we, we don't also need to be looking after cisgender people's feelings. Mm. And that it is their responsibility within a society that protects them and is configured for them mm-hmm. to move themselves and their perceptions to make space yeah. for us. So I think that that's like fundamentally where I stand. That's officially where I stand. Yeah. I would agree completely. And then, but then the reality of enforcing that in the world mm. is very hard because obviously you meet people who... Like, people fucking up is fine. It's then how they respond, like how they then yeah. respond. And I guess like I just... I find it hard when there's a responsibility to explain or defend or the, the way that these things are constantly framed as a debate, you know, that there's some kind of uh, responsibility on our behalf to make, or, or to make that person feel okay because they fuck up and then they feel bad about it. That I find quite aggressive as well. Like when you're like, oh no, it's, you know, it's okay, don't feel bad. And I kind of feel like, well, it's, it's okay to feel, yeah, you should feel a little bit, but it, well, you know, if you do feel bad, that's okay, you, but you can get over that. <laughs> that's a small little taster for you of, of interacting with this. And I, I, I just don't call it out as often as I feel I would like to call it out. So I'll take the serve and just be like, yep, yeah. because part of my, part of the voice in my head still says, yeah, they're right. They're right, it's their right. You're, that in some way, there is some violence that I am enacting upon them by violating these gender codes. And I think that's a long process to get over that. Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely, I agree with you so much, exactly what you just said. Um, It's a difficult one because it's not like as straightforward interactions are, you know, quite complex a lot of the time and you never know whether this person, where they're coming from and of course calling it out is important, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and asserting our gender or asserting, you know, ourselves um, is very, very, very important when, you know, we, we need to do that. However, 
I find that I need to pick my battles sometimes. Yeah, um, oh, absolutely. You know, it's important for, for my mental health and for yeah, my yeah. you know sanity really. You know, um, and a lot of the time I find that I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not always right. You know, that's yeah. what what I was trying to explain before is that you know uh, because I have this fear of uh, maybe being misgendered. Maybe mm. I, I you know I hear it although it's not happening. Yeah. You know you know what I mean. And that I can be really of course it can be embarrassing. It's not the end of the world if you assert your your gender then. Yeah. Um, but it's um, you know it's sometimes you know it's just a little bit. <laughs> I do always feel like if I do say uh, actually it's not it's not sir I do always feel like oh I'm making this person feel so bad and I Mm. you know what do I I never know what to say either Mm. because I sort of feel too old to say call me miss and then I don't know how to say oh call me madam feels like so wrong I know you know there isn't like a good difficult one Um, equivalent it happens a lot on the phone for me actually oh yeah all the time Um, the phone is the the primary um, yeah like uh, is the main cause of stress Um, but um, yeah it's a difficult one it's really difficult um, I, I say, I say, yeah, it's madam, uh, okay. like, not sir, and uh, then I have to say it 20 times to, to be sir again. Yeah. And, you know. <laughs> it just makes me feel like kind of some 18th century matriarch, which is kind of cool. <laughs> I had a very bad experience, um, a very bad customer service experience mm-hmm. with an online uh, shop that I shouldn't be using anyway because they are um, not an ethical company, but I was. Um, I don't know why I'm talking around it. It's not like with the BBC. So it was with Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting, I think, because Amazon puts transparent so prominently mm-hmm. in their like programming of like, look, this is our flagship program, mm-hmm. that then this experience of being treated really badly um, as a trans person. But the... Because um, I had to go through security all the time because people... You know, I say, oh, it's, it's Emma Franklin, and then they, they don't believe me, so then I go through the security questions. Mm-hmm. And like, I kind of feel like, okay, I can appreciate I have a voice that could be gendered or something else. That's why you have security questions. I don't know why you need particularly security questions on an online show, but you know, whatever. Um, and then this guy, we got through the security questions, and he was like, I, don't, I still don't feel comfortable talking to you. And then it was like, well, what's going on here? Um, and then he looked, he said, So years ago, a couple of years ago, I bought my partner a pair of red glittery tap shoes, like, you know, Dorothy tap shoes. And I actually made a mistake and I bought them in a child's size. So they were like, they arrived, they were like this big, which was very hilarious. But this guy on the phone said, I can see in your history that you bought these glittery uh, shoes. Like, I don't feel comfortable talking with you. Like this, with this implication of, uh, well, you must be a cross-dresser, um, that you know that that they're Dorothy shoes. I think they were called Dorothy, and that he he mentioned that. So I was like, "Whoa, I need to speak to your supervisor." He didn't put me through. He just left me on hold. So I ended up calling back up, um, and then I got this guy who also like was calling me sir. And I said, "Look, I explained the thing." And then this second guy was really uh, respectful. The second person was really respectful. And then right at the end of the conversation, said, "Okay, thank you, sir." And I said, hang on, like, what have we just been talking about? And then he laughed. And then I was like, I don't find this funny. Why are you laughing? And then he got really scared. 
Um, and, I was like, and, and apologize. And it's like, well, that's okay. You know, this is bad. this is I fucked up, but I apologize. Okay, learning has taken place. Yes. Great. And then eventually, I spoke to a supervisor, like a proper supervisor, who was um, who agreed with me that it was bad service. But the fact that they looked into my like, even if I had been buying those Dorothy yes. shoes for myself, even if I was a cisgender man buying those shoes for myself, like. It's all the paranoia that I felt when I was a crossdresser proved that this is, here is this, um, transphobia, judge, judgment and transphobia. Anyway, I got a 20 pound gift voucher out of it. <laughs> so it's, you know, but and I, I did say like, do you have trans training for your staff? Because there are some, co- there are companies you could look into and like, do you think it's okay that you don't have this in place? Um, you know, I don't know whether anything would would come forward from that. Um, where did that come from? Oh, mis- misgendering. Phone yeah. misgendering. misgendering. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, I find, I don't know why this is like interesting to me. Cafe Nero mm. at Paddington Station are on it with their pronouns. Oh, wow. And they always are, even when I have... I mean, probably they'll get it wrong now, next time. But um, <laughs> even when I've been feeling really low about how I look mm. and having a really bad day, don't know why, like, the staff in there are always like, hello, madam, and they're always really happy. And, and so I, I would say that they are a good, good. A positive example. So, <laughs> translating, get your coffee from the cafe near Paddington. It's probably quite a trip if you don't live in <laughs> North London. Um... I feel like I want to ask you about. Um, Go on, ask you know, me anything. Well, I mean, we no, because we, we've spoken already about your your surgery, um, but I wonder if that's something that you want to absolutely to share. Because um, in terms of like you know adventure, it is, is an adventure. Yes, it is the next chapter in, a, in an adventure. Oh um, no! I've just got some water everywhere in my huge excitement. <laughs> um, but you see, it's also another thing that I feel like exist as part of a uh, uh, sometimes unhelpful narrative, hmm. which makes me often shy away from it because hmm. we're so much kind of configured to the, well, you know, it's, it's the first thing people ask about. It's the yeah, thing that course. people obsess around, which yes. is true. So actually to, um, but yeah, to address it in a really positive light, which is of that course. this amazing thing is going to happen and that's, yeah, right. um, it's it's uh, yeah, like you said. I mean, it's it's the first thing that people will ask. You mm. know, it's uh, you know, surgery is something that um, carries a specific, you know, some some sort of like drama or gravity that you know people like seem to like be more empathetic towards someone who's going through medical process yeah. or whatever, and that's crazy because that's like not even you know. That doesn't describe, yeah. you know, the experience in my, in my view anyway. It's just, you know, a, a, a part of the journey that some, for some people is important, for some others it's not, you yeah. know, it's not something that, you know, we all have to do. Um, and it was something that was, um, you know, uh, given to me um, in my medical transition through the NHS in the UK. Um, and I took it and I thought, okay, yes, I had to think about it, I worked on it um, with my therapist and um, it's something that I see as a next step mm-hmm. in, my, in my transition physically. Uh, it's the first surgery I'm going to have and it's um, a genital reconstruction 
surgery and um, it's exciting it's very exciting I want to like cross that bridge although I don't know exactly what's you know <laughs> what's on the other side of the bridge um, and I'm very excited uh, yeah. to find out and that's part of the adventure I guess yeah. so it's in a couple of weeks time it's in a couple of weeks time it's um, um, two weeks on Monday mm-hmm. actually and um, at the moment I mean I'm, I, I, Already during the course of this um, chat with them, I've been going through hot fl- hot flashes and stuff like that. I've been sweating, and because I have been off hormones for now um, more than three weeks, um, off estrogen actually, and um, yeah, I'm going through a really difficult period uh, emotionally, mentally, and uh, I don't just I just don't feel like myself, you know. Even mm-hmm. this whole interview, I feel so like you know, kind of all over the place with, um, uh, with my, my thinking, really, and how I am um, expressing it. Um, but you're, doing really, you're doing a really great oh, job. Thank you, Eva. <laughs> you're so kind. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, the, the main thing is, um, you know, it's not like... Uh, it's life-affirming for me because I want to um, experience life, uh, you know, anatomically... Um, um, you know, uh, female, mm. um, and it's you know it's important for me because um, and I didn't think it would be good reason uh, in like a good enough reason for the uh, psychiatrist at the gender clinic to tell them that you know what I really want to be able to wear a bikini without making a like huge statement on mm. the beach or like wearing leggings when I go to yoga without mm-hmm. having to wear a dress on top or um, having sex with my partner um, you know in a in a different way mm-hmm. so you know I didn't think that all these things were going to be like kind of viable reasons why one should have GRS but uh, they were um, so yeah. I think like that's you know it's that same self-censorship and of course it's a viable reason mm. of course it's a, you know because that's where you've it's where you've come to on this whole journey and then like and that none of this is about None of this is a means to having a surgery, to having lower surgery. It's just like you get to a point and you're like, yeah, you know what? I could live my life exactly as you say, without everything being a fucking statement. Mm. That would be quite nice. Mm. And I think it's, we're, we're so lucky that we have, we in this country have a pathway towards that. You know, that's, it's a great, um, it's a great privilege again. Absolutely. I agree completely. It's a, it's a great privilege to, to have that option. Um, but also, I think part of me, because we discussed it earlier um, a little bit, we touched upon it, was that, you know, I always kind of had a sense that, you know, the, the usual narrative um, uh, that I think comes from the uh, um, certain book in the 60s, um, that, you know, born in the wrong body and mm-hmm. all these, yeah, yeah. you know, the associations of you know, maybe hating my genitals yeah. or, and I never really had that much discomfort again, you know, over yeah. my genitals. So I thought maybe it wasn't a legitimate enough reason. And of course there's the other side which says that, <clears throat> you know, femininity is all wrong and it's not like it's fake or whatever and yeah, it's yeah. not good enough reason to, you know, want to wear like a play suit, you know, <laughs> and be comfortable with it because, you know, why would you want to wear a play suit in the first place, you know? <laughs> So um, it's just, uh, yeah, it's so many different, it's so, like, it's quite a complex thing. But I think I managed to um, kind of um, dissect it and uh, see it for what it really is. And um, the best way to describe it, I think, is the topic of this talk, is it's an adventure. It's yeah. an adventure 
it's a it's a step I want to take um, without really knowing where the staircase is you know is going. As long as I know that the next step is what I want yeah, to yeah. take, you know, and I want to just move forward. Yeah. Um, I know not having the surgery could have um, you know detrimental um, effect mm-hmm. um, on me and. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, because, you know, having the surgery now, like, talking about it now, I mean, um, I don't feel the fear so mm-hmm. much. I don't experience the fear, but um, it comes it comes up in my dreams. It comes up in my, you know, my subconscious um, is telling me that, you know, it's quite something, you know, it's, it's a scary thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a major surgery. You never know whether, you know, there will be any complications, whether, um, of course, um, you know aesthetically how it's going to look if there's going to be like sensitive or mm. you know and you know I, you know there's so many things to you know that I'm unsure about yeah. and nobody can guarantee them mm-hmm. uh, that is enough you know reason to be scared uh, but I realize that I realize that you know fear sits at the bottom of so many um, you know challenges that we face in life and um, you know, by understanding that it is fear mm-hmm. um, and staying with the fear without escaping it, without yeah. like brushing the whole thing under the carpet and saying, you know, minimizing it, saying, oh, it's nothing, you know, um, because for me it is, it is quite an important, you know, yeah, thing. Or, or um, you know, or maybe, you know, make, making it huge that, oh my God, you know, that huge, so huge that uh, it becomes un- unmanageable mm-hmm. and I have to somehow bail out from yeah. it or whatever. So balancing the fear, going through the fear, I think mm-hmm. is an important part of this. I think, I mean, just in our conversation before we were recording and now it's hearing you talk about it so beautifully, it's really, um, it's really great to hear it, to hear surgery talked about in the, in this way and really kind of openly and clearly and I think that's I'm so f- frightened not frightened but like um, turned off by the narrative by the way it's presented almost everywhere else as because it's so it comes through as being so um, black and white like here it is it's the goal it was the aim you know we were talking before about a staircase and you know, is it a staircase or is it an escalator yeah. or is it like, is there, what, what's the metaphor that suggests that this is something that just goes on, that there isn't mm-hmm. a point where you get off and you go, ah, now I'm here because all of these things are just one more step along a path. And so I think, you know, the way that you term it as that is, is exactly right because it begins with the person reading smash hits, looking at brass and that is a step in a direction and you know way out club is a step in a direction eyeliner is a step and you know um grs is a step like it's all of these things along the way and to kind of single out because it may because it sells newspapers Mm. one of these elements Mm. you know hold the presses person wears mascara doesn't kind of sell as many papers so I think you know actually cutting through that bullshit and absolutely being able to look at it in the way that you Completely. do is really um, is really revolutionary oh wow, you're so lucky adventure wow well it's an adventure it's yeah I'm, 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 I'm so happy that you know you asked uh, me to do this and uh, mm. have a, a chat about it because it feels so you know, so casual and honest and, you know, um, and yeah, it's not about what, 
you know, it's not even about representation in the media. We talked about mm. that a little bit. It's not about, you know, I think the best ever way to um, change society uh, is to um, is through like real life interactions. Mm-hmm. I, I I think. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, by having that, you know, by you know, by meeting you know other people in like parallel journeys or mm-hmm. similar mm-hmm. journeys or different journeys and just you know kind of you know interacting with everyone. I think this podcast is you know part of this. You know, kind Thank of, you. Yeah, it's amazing. It's been really great for me. I mean, for me, it began almost as a excuse to meet other trans women and I feel like in the last few episodes I've actually spoken with a lot of or a few kind of non-binary or trans masculine people or genderqueer people or even a cisgender woman and all of those conversations have felt really relevant and really right Mm. but you know fundamentally it's really nice to connect with Mm. other people who are you know coming from from the same place Mm. um I feel like we should wrap up but before I do, um, I like to just kind of ask what's going on, like what's outside of the upcoming surgery, surgery what's like alive for you? What um, are you doing at the moment? Yeah, well, um, excited life, about? Is, life is amazing. It's like, it's an adventure. Again, I use the word adventure with like life because that's, that's what it is for me. Um, and um, yeah, so uh, I'm changing my career, so I'm transitioning not just my gender, not my, my, my sex, my mm-hmm. career as well. Um, I'm, um, I was working in advertising for a long time and um, it didn't like agree anymore with my beliefs. And it was like something that I needed to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, guess what? Yeah, it happened and I'm now studying uh, back at uni to become a counseling psychologist, which hopefully will bring some something positive out of it. So cool. I would be lovely to, like, you know, support people in um, in ways that you know I've managed to conquer myself. You know, like mm-hmm. things that you know from my experience, my experience with addiction, because also there's a great big overlap, unfortunately, between uh, trans people and um, addiction and mm-hmm. like uh, mental health you know suicide everything so just being able to um like train as someone who would be you know eventually qualified to help um Mm. you know through my experience but also through the training that i'm doing um and 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 help you know others um you know it feels like you know a really really lovely thing um to do you know um yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm really grateful that I'm able to go back yeah. to uni and um, my parents have been super supportive. Um, like, yeah, I wouldn't be able to do that, uh, you know. Um, um, yeah, so, yeah, it's amazing. And you, the support group as well that you're starting Oh, yes, at. of course. Uh, yes, London Gender Support, uh, which is uh, like londongendersupport.org. Um, for anyone uh, wanting to check it out and uh, it's a new support group that we're starting in East London uh, mm-hmm. with um, uh, TAGS mm-hmm. uh, the lovely Roberta from TAGS um, uh, who's done a lot of great work with, um, with trans um, um, trans services and trans yeah. support and um, so it's starting on the 16th of July the first one and the idea is that um, of course I don't 
feel like I own the group or anything like that. You know, we started it, but um, well, we will start it in, on the 16th. But um, the whole point is for it to be self-facilitated, mm. so that uh, there's no kind of ownership, there's no hierarchy. Yeah. Um, so we we we're aiming for a non-hierarchical kind of structure that it's all based on you know people who want to help and um, everyone is equal, mm-hmm. has an equal say so that, you know, if we have, for example, an hour of sharing then and, and, and I don't know, 10 people, then we have six minutes each, yeah. each to share and there's no kind of, you know, advice giving or anything. Everyone can rant or, you know, share. Their, it's so good. It's yeah. so important. <laughs> yeah. Yes, that's, yeah, exactly. So, uh, yes, that's, that's London Gender Support and if you fancy joining us then have a look on online and um, we're gonna aim to have it once a month uh, from winter um, or maybe from September I don't know maybe soon so yeah Yeah. oh thank you so much it's awesome to speak with you Um, and yeah good luck with everything thank you Emma you're awesome So there you have it. That was episode 10, Adventure. Um, I forgot to ask Natasha while we were were recording for the topic of the next podcast, Um, but she has given us technology. So that'll be what I come to next. Um, I'm not sure who I'll be speaking to next, but I will definitely be having some conversations in the uh, immediate future because coming up is Trans Pride Brighton. So I think that's going to provide quite a lot of opportunities to chat with some amazing people. And I'm really looking forward to doing that. I'm also very, very proud and excited to be co-comparing the stage on the Saturday. Um, So if you're around in Brighton, then I will see you then. It's a whole weekend of activity from the 21st of July to the 24th. On the 21st, there is a Trans Pride Arts Night with lots of brand new commissioned performance by trans and non-binary artists at the Marlborough Pub and Theatre. On the 22nd of July, there's a film night uh, curated by My Generation at the Duke of York Cinema. On the 23rd of July, there's the march that begins at midday and then there's a party in Brunswick Square Gardens. Um... Then in the evening of the Saturday, there's a gig and then there's a party which is run by Tramfrau, which I'm also performing at, actually. Uh, And then on the 24th of July, there's a picnic. So it's going to be epic. I went for the first time last year and it was pretty overwhelming to be in the company of so many trans people. And it's a really beautiful thing and a really... um, yeah i had a really great experience so if you can make it that would be amazing if you can't make it then you know follow online and be there in spirit i know it's not possible for everybody to make it all the way down to brighton but we'll be thinking of you all um anyway that's about it for now Uh, i hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll see you next time take care lots of love bye